Good morning. It's July 19th. It's a cloudy morning here in New York City, and this is your Indignity Morning Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Skoka, taking a look at the day and the news. News outlets in Mississippi, backed up by national ones, have picked up on the story that a 16-year-old boy was killed in an accident at the Marjack Poultry Processing Plant on Friday. The local news station, WDAM Channel 7, reports that the child, Duvan Perez, was, according to the plant's own press release, conducting sanitation operations when he was killed. The story notes that not only are people under 18 supposed to be barred from working at meat and poultry plants, but that the Fair Labor Standards Act specifically lists sanitation of meat and poultry plant equipment as a hazardous activity off limits to underage workers. The story also notes that the Marjack plant has had three deaths and one amputation in the past three years. Meanwhile, around the nation, facing high wages and low unemployment, Republican legislators continue to push to roll back child labor laws to get access to a cheaper workforce. On the front of the New York Times, the lead news story is Donald Trump's indictment-to-be in the January 6th case, the actual news of which doesn't seem like it will advance much from where it was yesterday morning until the indictment itself comes down. There's still the target letter from special counsel Jack Smith, and the story says, it is not clear what specific charges Mr. Smith and his pros and there's a hyphen and a jump to page A14, and there's other stuff going on, so why take the jump? Right below it, there are knowable charges, eight felony counts, including forgery and conspiracy to commit forgery, filed by the Michigan Attorney General against, against each of the 16 people who put themselves forward as an alternative slate of electors from Michigan to vote for Donald Trump in the Electoral College, even though he lost the state. Another welcome and very belated development in the process of establishing that it is against the law to overturn or steal election. Also on the front page, the Times continues its fully justified flood the zone coverage of the Phoenix heat wave. Milestone Sears Phoenix, at least 110 degrees, 19 days in a row. The climate news, as expressed through the weather news, is genuinely terrifying. And the Times here is, rather than pretending not to have agenda-setting ability, insisting correctly on the grave importance of it all, while filling in grim details like the fact that people have been getting second-degree burns after they pass out or fall asleep on the hot asphalt and sidewalks. One structural issue that the physical print paper hasn't quite solved about this news is the split between the national and international sections, so that the Phoenix heat wave story shares a page with two women are attacked by bison during visits to national parks on the inside, an interesting story in its own right, but not as relevant, probably, as the page-and-a-half spread 10 and 11 pages earlier. Heat waves stifle three continents as climate change warms the globe. As Beijing broils, Kerry pushes China on climate. What is fueling Canada's epic wildfire season? And lowest-paid Europeans fare worst in the heat, reflecting a deep divide. The first of those stories about the tricontinental scope of the heat disaster has... 19 reporter credits tacked onto the bottom, making an even 20 with a single writer byline at the top. The numbers are appalling everywhere, but they really do need to be unified. After running through temperatures over 110 in Phoenix, over 100 in Rome, and nearing 100 in Kyoto, the story then goes on to report the heat index of 152 degrees at Persian Gulf International Airport in Iran which is a truly terrifying and life-threatening fact, but the temperature temperature was actually 104. What made it potentially lethal was the 65% humidity to go with it. 
But it's essentially meaningless to try to turn that back into a number that sounds like a temperature. As the Washington Post noted, the heat index wasn't even meant to handle figures that high. So it's always sketchy project of trying to declare what any given weather conditions actually feel like in temperature dissolves into nonsense. There's no such thing as 152 degree real feel because there isn't any 152 degree weather, at least not yet. The relevant figure for measuring whether the heat is going to kill people is the wet bulb temperature, on which scale the post explains the human body loses its ability to cool itself via sweating at 95 degrees. The purported 152 degrees at the airport, the post writes, was 92.7 on the wet bulb. This, of course, has its own issue. Instead of coming in higher than any useful subjective human experience, the way that the heat index does, the wet bulb comes in lower than the temperatures that we're already familiar with. The real solution would seem to be coming up with a scale that describes how close the weather is to killing you without dressing it up as a temperature at all. You're never going to successfully convey that information as long as you have three different scales, all using the same numbers and names for different things. That's the news. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to Indignity to keep us going, and we will talk again tomorrow.